The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. to know the score i'm your host don delorente and i'm joined by my co-host Dwayne. what's going on Dwayne? not much um it is the best time of year march madness has arrived around the 64 starts tomorrow and should be some lot should be some great matchups so i'm ready for it yeah tomorrow um the the tournament starts officially of course you have the uh you know first four playing games on tuesday and wednesday but the actual tournament starts tomorrow um i don't know if the tar heels play tomorrow if they play on friday but my team the north carolina tar heels a seed going up against marquette and if they uh, are fortunate enough to get past marquette they get the number one seed in the east the baylor bears so um yeah yeah i got i got a lot of thoughts on all the regions actually so so we'll just get into it we'll leave the particulars to the end um we'll start off with college basketball with arizona they won the pac-12 tournament over ucla and they'll be the number one seed out west Iowa, they upset Purdue to win the Big Ten tournament. Iowa's a number five seed. Uh, a lot of people um, are picking them as a trendy pick to make it to the Final Four. Tennessee uh, ended the Cinderella run at Texas A&M to win the SEC tournament. Um, Texas A&M upset Auburn and Kentucky to uh, that I did not see coming to get to the final. Uh, Virginia Tech. They upset the Duke Blue Devils to win their first ACC tournament. And Gonzaga, Kentucky, and Baylor are the other number one seeds. So, you know, the tournament, especially if you're into filling out a bracket, is all about... I got to call a timeout. Oh, yeah? Kansas was the number one seed. Kansas? Oh, not Kentucky. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Number one in the Midwest. Sorry. Third overall. Yeah, okay. Okay. So... The, uh, you know, the tournament, if you're filling out a bracket, like I said, is all about kind of predicting upsets and and seeing, you know, which 13 seed can make a run or which one of those, you know, 14 seeds is going to give a three seed a hard day or something like that. So as, as you look at the bracket, I really haven't gone and done a deep dive over it because I, I like to get the one that comes in a newspaper where you can see it all open. <laughs> These ones yeah. online are kind of hard to see because you got to scroll and all that. But right. um, what do you see uh, as a, some some danger matchups in the first? There's game? quite there's quite a few to be honest. Um, when you look when you look at, I let me just say that Baylor has probably the toughest number one seed number one toughest road of all the number one seeds um they gotta get by uh, they'll get by norfolk obviously um but then they had to contend with the winner of north carolina marquette um and baylor's been injured a lot of players have been injured uh on top of that then in the sweet 16 they got a possible matchup with either saint mary's or indiana Two teams that can give them fists. Then they would have, or same, or they would get UCLA. And then, on the other side of, on the other side of that bracket, they would have Kentucky in the Elite Eight, possibly, or Purdue in the Elite Eight. So there's a lot of, lot of things in that, in that region that could really. Uh, it's the East region, by the way. There's yep. a lot of a lot of teams in that East region that really, especially on the top half of the bracket, that could create some chaos. Um, 
North Carolina Marquette. That the winner of that that's going to be a good matchup. That game's at three thirty on TBS or four thirty, I should say. What day? Four thirty Eastern. Thursday. Okay. So yeah, like I have to make sure that's a must see TV. North Carolina, literally, dude, is day to day. As was on right. display in the ACC tournament. I mean, they looked great against Virginia. Defense was lights out. They really didn't shoot that well in Brooklyn as a whole. But, I mean, defensively, they were very good against Virginia. Blew them out. Comfortable win. Got to rest some guys. The next night against Virginia Tech, it was just like, what in the hell happened between last night and tonight? So, you know, I don't know. I can't. I, the one thing that's consistent about this team has been inconsistency. So I just don't know what they're going to do tomorrow. And then uh, Marquette's coached by Shaka Smart, right? Correct. So they're going to press and pressure the whole game. And Carolina only plays like seven guys. And they really don't have like a true backup point guard. So that stylistically could cause problems. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Gonzaga uh, has a pretty tough road in the West too, with Duke being the number two seed out there. I thought that, that their road has uh, you know some some potholes in it. Um, I think a lot of people are are looking at Kansas and Kentucky as probably you know two teams that have a very good shot if everything lines up um, for them. Um, to come out and possibly make a Final Four between the two. But they're in the same region, so. Yeah, yeah, they are. Uh, Well, actually, Kentucky is number – Kentucky is number two in the East. Kentucky's two in the East. Uh, Kansas has – their problem will be Auburn if Auburn gets to this Elite Eight. Ah oh, man, I don't trust Auburn. You see how much oil they were leaking towards the end of the season. That's yes, typical I Bruce Pearl, man. I do agree with that. That that is a concern, especially I would say Wisconsin would give Auburn probably the most problems. I because when Wisconsin plays Colgate in the first round in their backyard in Milwaukee, then they got the LSU Iowa State winner. Iowa State, honestly, I don't know how the heck they made the tournament. I did not pay attention to them, honestly, in the Big 12. I did not think they were going to be good enough to make it this far, but they did get in. I'm picking them over LSU. LSU is just in a little bit of flux with the Will Wade firing due to the level one allegations that he basically violated in his contract. So contract violation led to Will Wade getting fired. At LSU, um, probably a long time before he gets another head coaching job in college basketball. Will, uh, um, Wade seems like a guy who might land on the NBA staff. Yeah, I can see that. Just in, in the kind of, he'll probably take the Kelvin Sampson route, go to the NBA for a few years. And then come back to the college ranks. Yeah, watch that stank off of them. Mm-hmm. And come on back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if I look at Kansas' region, I agree with you on Auburn. Uh, now that you now that you mentioned it, I think Wisconsin, they're the three seed in that Midwest region. And they could, they could upend Auburn. Um, Kansas and Texas Southern, like I, is like I said on my Facebook status the other day, I'm all for HBCU unity, but Thursday night I'm all in on KU. <laughs> um, Creighton and San Diego State, the winner of that game will get Kansas in the second round. Um, Iowa, here's here's the thing with Iowa, they got to take if they beat Richmond, who will be a tough twelve. They got to take on Providence and South Dakota State. And Providence has been one of the best teams in the country, one of the hottest teams in the country as well. Yeah, because they and got I older think, players, man. And um, last year, with, 
they came really close a couple of times to beating Villanova. That was a one team they just could not overtake last year. But this year, they got them once. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I really like – I like Yeah, I like their coach, too. I think Providence is – Yeah, I think Providence is definitely uh, poised to make a, a, a lot of noise this year. Yeah. And, but they they Providence does have a touch match. Uh, don't count out the Jack Rabbits in that 13-4 in the Midwest. Uh, South Dakota State is a team to watch out for. Um, when I go up to the South region, uh, you got Arizona. And they're going to have a tough time in that second-round matchup with um, the Seton Hall TCU winner. Um, UAB and Houston, UAB will be a tough out in that 12-5 matchup uh, against the Cougars. And then the thir- another 13-4, Chattanooga against Illinois. That is upset potential. Um, Colorado State, Michigan. Michigan, a lot of people are probably like, how the heck did they get in? But they had a strong strength of schedule, uh, which, which is um, – Big for the committee. They have Colorado State in that first in that first round. And you want to talk about it? Remember how we talked about Longwood last week? Yep. They got Tennessee in that first round. So uh, that four team three in the South region, Longwood and Tennessee. Um, I think Tennessee pulls it off, but Longwood's going to give them a hard time. Um, and then Loyola, Chicago, uh, Ohio State, beware. Uh, and then uh, Villanova, they got Delaware. So Villanova's in Arizona's bracket, and they will take on um, Delaware in that first round. Um, Gonzaga's region, I think... I think it's status quo. I think Davidson could up in Michigan State before they fall to Duke in that second round. Texas Tech will probably be the team that gives Duke problems because of their length and their experience. Um, I think if Duke does the same things, if they show their inexperience on the big stage, um, they could be out as early as the Sweet 16. Yeah, I think Duke is very vulnerable, man. Um, especially if they get up against a team that has some experience in the backcourt and at, at least uh, you know two to three capable big guys. I, I, Bryson yeah. Williams of Texas Tech. That he's probably he's probably two capable big guys in one. If they just, can't stop Bryson Williams, that will be a problem. Just because uh, Virginia Tech just by having older players and more experienced players, especially in the post, uh, really exposed Duke um, last weekend. Um, I mean, the one kid was just phenomenal from three-point land, scored a career high, like 34 points. But um, Oliva or something like that, is there a big guy? And, yeah, it took him a while to get going. But once he got going, man, he was in total control of Duke's big man. Duke's defense, especially uh, Bancaro in the pick and roll, is a huge liability, man. Um, he has a really difficult time kind of, um, you know, hedging and getting back on his guy. They were exploiting that a lot, uh, Virginia Tech was, especially coming down the stretch of that game. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I think that Duke is, unless, you know, their defense ratchets it up and they can get a lot of – force a lot of live ball turnovers and get out on the fast break. I think, yeah, if Duke has to play possession by possession basketball, um, they're, they're going to have an early exit. Yeah. That's why I say, that's why I said, you talked about Virginia Tech's big man. If mm-hmm. uh, you saw Bright Bryson Williams in that big 12 tournament, um, he got it going late against Kansas in the championship game, but He's always been a, a thorn in Kansas' side, honestly. Uh, he was that in the game in Lubbock when Texas Tech won. Um, he he can basically – he plays bully ball, but he 
has a soft touch around the rim. He can rebound, block shots, play defense. So uh, if Texas Tech slows the game, I, and I know I'm jumping ahead because, you know, they got to get through the first two rounds to get to this point. But if they go up, if they slow that game down against Duke, uh, Mark Adams is a Chris Beard disciple. He slows the game down and relies on defense. If it's a half-court game, Texas Tech will destroy Duke, honestly. <laughs> well, the madness is going to begin in a few short hours. Uh, so if you are on oh, the yeah, fence got... about those brackets, you need to get them in soon. Get them in by 11 o'clock Eastern tomorrow. The, the first round of the first four was uh, yesterday, Texas Southern. Beat Texas A&M Corpus Christi, 76-67. Texas Southern's reward is Kansas. Luckily, they're playing in Fort Worth. Um, so, probably be a lot of um, eight Houston supporters going up to the game. Uh, but, of course, Kansas fans travel well, too. Um, and then Indiana, the last team to get in the tournament, they beat Wyoming 66-58. to 58. Uh, They get St. Mary's in the first round uh, for their for their W on Thursday. Uh, today, uh, 640 Eastern, they'll be Bryant against Wright State. Uh, Wright State out of Dayton. Uh, Bryant, um, they are out of, if I remember... I think they're in the Northeast, I want to say. Um, yeah, they're in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Who do you feel got snubbed? Who do you feel should have gotten in that didn't? Honestly, I can't even say. Probably if anybody got snubbed, it's Texas Tech. I mean, not Texas Tech, but Texas A&M. Okay. Uh I think they did enough to get to the they did enough to get to the um SEC final. They beat Auburn. Uh, they did what they had to do and I think they got the short end of the stick. Other than that, I really can't think of anybody else that really got snubbed. I think I think the committee got it right. I think maybe Michigan probably should not have got went in over a Texas A&M, but Michigan had a strong strength of schedule and that's a big thing. So right. I, I think that it had it not been for that strength of schedule, um, uh, Michigan would not be in and Texas Tech, uh, Texas A&M would be. Um, I think Probably another team that probably got snubbed was uh, BYU. Um, the West Coast could have had the potential to get four teams in the tournament. Um, I think they got three absolute correct teams in, and uh, Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and San Francisco. If you haven't seen the Dons this season, they played very well. And I think one of the best matchups um, in this tournament is two teams that don't get a lot of recognition, but they will this time around when uh, San Francisco takes on Murray State. All right. So there you have it. Dwayne breaking down the tournament, your upsets, and the teams to look out for. So, as always, you know, the first two rounds are, you know, usually where all the action is. Things tend to settle down once you get to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. But, you know, there's always going to be somebody that's going to capture the imagination of the country uh, for two weeks. And, uh, you know, maybe it's the North Carolina Tar Heels. Maybe they're the underdog team this year to come out of nowhere because, you know, it's very rare that all four number one seeds make the final four. There's always going to be an outlier. So. Hey, you know, one, time, one time, the one time, one of the times that that did happen, Kansas won the national title. So. That could happen again. I'll be all for it. <laughs> yeah, I bet you would. Uh, transitioning over to the NFL, um, it was announced the day after 
my Washington commanders signed Carson Wentz, that Deshaun Watson won't face criminal charges. And now he's hearing pitches from the Panthers, the Saints, the Browns, the Falcons. The Colts tried to get involved, but the Texans were like, nah, we're not going to trade them in the division. So it's up to Deshaun Watson to basically pick a team, and whoever he picks, he will be traded to. Um, he does still have the 22 civil lawsuit cases, um, you know, out there, but teams know now that he won't go to jail. Um, he may miss four games or whatever the penalty is going to be for just, you know, the misconduct. Um, but you've got some teams in play and who do you think is going to be the front runner for Deshaun Watson? Oh boy. Um I would love for it to be Carolina. I mean, but are you willing to give up Christian McCaffrey for it? Honestly, I can see I personally know, but when I look at it from a team perspective, I understand why they would. Because health is health is wealth in the running back position. And Christian McCaffrey has not been healthy. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, when you have to, the thing is, though, for me, if you do trade McCaffrey, you have to worry about the impending suspension, how long the suspension is going to be. Uh, because NFL Players Association gave all the authority to Roger Goodell in the last CBA, which was stupid. I still stand on that. Um, So, we don't know how long he's going to be suspended for, which means we still have to have games with Sam Darnold or whoever wins the starting job. Right. They bring it. If they bring back um, Cam, which, you know, will sell tickets, um, that's about it. But I just don't – I don't see – I think Carolina still has to focus on the offensive line. They did address that by signing Austin Corbett from the Rams um, in the offseason to a three-year $29 million deal. Uh, so that does help the interior, one of the interior guard positions. Um, but there's still more that needs to be done with that offensive line because nobody's going to have any success with that offensive line Carolina has. I don't care who you are. Probably part of the reason why Sam Darnold was so atrocious was because that offensive line sucked. Part, like nobody has enough time to pass. Nobody has enough time. Like that was an issue when Teddy Bridgewater was a quarterback a year ago. That was the issue with um, Cam Newton in the years after the Super Bowl because Cam had to run for his life. He had to take those hits because he didn't have time to throw the ball. So I don't think Carolina has they'll probably find I mean they have Christian McCaffrey but do they have enough capital I don't think so I think the Saints do have that they ha- they are willing to trade one of their top tackles along with um, a draft hall to get uh, Deshaun Watson into the Big Easy um, it helps the Texans out because they don't have to worry about him in the division um what I like to see again personally, I would not like to see that. Um even if Deshaun Watson does join the Saints, he ain't gonna have Alvin Kamara because we know Alvin Kamara got his own shit going on. Yeah, he gonna be uh he gonna be uh he gonna be suspended at for some length of time. Yeah. Yeah, if he even gets to the even if he gets a what out of this situation. So mm-hmm. so you have that you have that going on. 
um, the Falcons. And I know this is a business. I know this is you got to do what you have to do to win and be relevant. Atlanta's doing exactly that from a team standpoint. I get it. But the disrespect they show Matt Ryan is unbelievable. Um, even if you upgrade and get Deshaun Watson, you only have one guy to throw it to. And that's Kyle Pitts. You're not going to have Calvin Ridley. There's no Julio Jones. There's no Tony Gonzalez. There's no Austin Hooper. Well, they can get one. they can get Julio Jones and Austin Hooper back though. They got released today, or they're planning to be released. I don't see a reunion coming, but it's a possibility. <laughs> yeah, I don't see it. I don't see a reunion coming, but that is a high possibility. I didn't even know that. So, um, the. So, even if you add Deshaun Watson to the mix, it's not going to help unless the Falcons draft the receiver in in the draft. I don't even know who's available receiver-wise to draft at the moment. The Alabama guys, but they both got hurt. (laughs) Well, there goes that. Uh, Yeah, so it's going to be... So, yeah, I don't know about that. And apparently the Browns are now in the mix trying to get Deshaun Watson. Baker Mayfield basically thank Cleveland as if he is out the door. Um, You could probably see uh, Deshaun Watson from Baker Mayfield swap along with some picks. That's a possibility, too. Um, Yeah, so... Those are my, those are my, that's my insight on what could possibly happen um, in regards to the des- possible destinations for Deshaun. Right. Moving on. Tom Brady must have sat at home for about two weeks and realized, what the hell am I doing here? Am I going to be able to? put up with these kids and Giselle without being able to take my trip to training camp and do my six months worth of traveling during the season. Apparently he said, no, he can't do it. He's going to unretire, come back, play for the Bucks for a record 23rd season at quarterback. So Tom Brady, I think, I think what it was, was like I told one of my friends who's a big time Brady fan. I think because the reporters got out in front of it before he did. He just went ahead and did it. But I think as he sat back and thought about it more, he was just kind of like, nah, I'm going to go out and let everybody know when I'm going to go out this time and not have people report it two, three, four days before I actually get to tell them. Your thoughts? No. I, I I just think he I think he simply got annoyed by Giselle. I think he and Giselle had an argument. He was like, "Fuck this! I'm not <laughs> not doing this for the rest of my life. I I'll go I'll go back and play some play some ball." Um, and Giselle was probably like, "You know what? Go play ball. We don't need you here. We've been doing this without you anyway." So yeah, he. He tried to be a family man. It did not work. Um, we, we don't know. At least Brady coming back now. Um, he's still got a line. He's still got protection. Still got weapons. Um, they could be adding Jarvis Landry. Possibly right. due to the Browns trading for Amari Cooper, making him expendable. Yes, exactly. And so um, it's going to be, I mean, so at least that's one less team in the Deshaun sweepstakes, uh, one less team in the NFC South in the Deshaun sweepstakes. Um, and 
I'm sure Bruce Arians is probably like, God damn it, I thought I got rid of this guy. He's coming right back. Um, Man, Bruce Arians better be thanking his lucky stars that he ain't got to go out here with some subpar quarterback trying to run his no-risk-it-no-biscuit no offense. <laughs> One would probably think that, but... You think Bruce Arians well, likes to uh, be in charge of his offense and not kind of hand it over to Tom Brady? I think the case, I think that's what they, I think that's what it is. I think the re, that's the reason why I think that because there were some issues they they had a little bit of they had a little bit of disagreements towards the end of the season. I think that probably factored in. I think Tom Brady going rogue a little bit because he's been in the game for so long. Um, I think that factored. I think that at the time may have played a part, but of course, when you're stuck with your kids and your wife for two weeks, you're just like, I can't do this. <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather have conflict with Bruce Arians than have conflict with my wife and kids. Exactly. And so, and I think though, when um, Brady visited uh, Ronaldo at Old Trafford after the Manchester United game, I think Ronaldo asked him, are you retired? And Brady was just like, eh, I'm not really, I'm not sure about that anymore. So, like, right after that video, it's like, it kind of seems coincidental, like, right after that video, he's like, all right, I'm coming back. Uh, Jacksonville, uh, so far, they've been the biggest spender in the free agency period. Uh, landing deals with Christian Kirk and offensive lineman Brandon Sheriff. So, they're making the necessary moves to, um, you know, get things around oh, um, Sunshine Part 2, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, their front office seems to be, um, you know, zeroed in on spending the money that they've been holding on to for the past couple of years um, to make big improvements to the offensive line and receiving core. Defense in Jacksonville has actually always been pretty good. Um, they just haven't had enough consistent offense to, you know, keep them off of the field. Um, we're spending that AEW money. <laughs> so do you see maybe Jackson, you know, every year there's always a surprise team or two that comes out of nowhere to make the playoffs this year. It was the Bengals. They took that all the way to the Super Bowl. Do you think Jacksonville, with these reinforcements and the big spending they've done so far through free agency, could be one of those surprise teams this year to make the playoffs? Yes. I can. I mean, let's let's just think about it. Houston's a lame. Houston's a lame duck at this point. Um, so we're just gonna throw them out. Indianapolis, you know, they have Jonathan Taylor. They have a couple weapons on the offense side and defensive side, but they don't have a quarterback. Yeah, like they that. still don't have no quarterback. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Teddy Bridgewater probably ends up over there. Well, no. They said he's going – yeah, Teddy Bridgewater because Tyrod Taylor went to the Giants. Yeah. Okay, so. All right, so we got Teddy Bridgewater possibly landing in Indy. So, I still think mediocrity there. So, I would probably put them – and it depends on which Ryan Tannehill you're going to get <laughs> in Tennessee. Are you going to get the Ryan Tannehill – in the regular season, that looked like the Titans Ryan Tannehill post Adam Gase, or are you going to get the Miami Ryan Tannehill that showed up in the divisional playoff game, who's full of mediocrity and wanting Titans fans to upgrade the position after they got that big money extension. So Jacksonville does have an opportunity a golden opportunity with the more experienced coach, with the, a more offensive-related coach who has worked with the young quarterback, and with the money that they're spending um, from that Turner contract and all the wrestling and Brentford and all that, but um, not Brentford, but Fulham. Um with that money that the cons have been, you know, not willing to spend, but now they're spending it. Um, I'm a big proponent. If you spend, 
you spend to make a, to build a winner, you'll get a winner. Um, it's been proven in different sports that it can happen this way. Uh, so I think they're going to spend the money. They're going to get a better result with the division kind of going in flux right now. I think, and the winds of change happening in Jacksonville could be moving their way up the ladder. Devontae Adams turned down $23 million a year from the Packers. Um, they're trying to work out a long-term deal. He is currently going to play on the franchise tag if they cannot reach an agreement by July 15th. Uh, his wish is to be the highest-paid receiver in the league, but uh, what the Cardinals did for DeAndre Hopkins was only possible because they still have Kyler Murray on that rookie contract. So they overpaid DeAndre Hopkins and his extension by like $5 million. So he makes like $27 million a year. And with this new contract that Aaron Rodgers just signed, there is no way they can get that, they can get close to that for Devontae Adams. So if he wants to have that security of having, you know, four years or at least three years of guaranteed money, he might want to reconsider that $23 million a year offer. Yeah, I, I'm kind of interested to see how that's going to play out. I mean, the Packers are going to make some cuts for this to make for this to happen. Is he worth the money? Yes. Um, how they're going to get that money? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Because you're going to have a chunk of that salary cap with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, which is a good investment, but you got to get you gotta well, get some hardware out there. Well, yeah, they uh, just lost Zadarius Smith. He, they had to let him go. Um, right. He's a casualty of this. Um, so he just signed with the Ravens, I think. So. Oh, he backed in Baltimore. Yeah, I think he came back to Baltimore. So, um, but yeah, man, I mean, you know, you can't. You have to, if you're one of these players like this in this situation and you're Asian or whatever, you kind of got to, like, read the – you got to look at everything, man. You know what I'm saying? I know what you would like to have. I know what you feel like you deserve or whatever. But at the same point, you got to look at the structure of your team versus, like I said, the structure of the Cardinals. They can make moves like that. They can do those type of, um, you know – bold endeavors, kind of like the Chargers. They can go and trade for Khalil Mack. They can go sign Mike Williams on that money because Herbert ain't making no money. Right, exactly. And, and, and up until the time that they have to pay him, they can get their team as bolstered and solidified as they can, but then it's going to be the Russell Wilson syndrome. Once you get, the quarterback has to get paid and he does get paid, then you start right. having to chip away from, you know, the roster and then you know that kind of sets you back for a year or two when you have to kind of rebuild up from the guys that you lost once your quarterback starts making all that money right exactly um in an interesting twist joe buck and troy aikman are leaving fox as a duo to become the new broadcast team for monday night football um they're the longest running duo in NFL sports casting history, they just, I think they're one season behind Summerall and Madden. I think they they were together for like 21 seasons, and I think this will be the 20th season for Joe Buck and Troy Aikman together. Um, I, I heard that they were trying to get Troy Aikman to come in for Monday Night Football, but I had no idea that it was going to be a package with Joe Buck. Um, the broadcast booth and ESPN Monday Night Football has been suffering for Probably about 15 years now, it seems. Trying, it was a long time. Yeah, dude. trying to find a Even though I did like Lewis Riddick, I mean, I'm not really that fond of Brian Greasy, but I did like Lewis Riddick uh, the past couple of years in the booth. I thought that he did a very good job. But yeah, this is an established duo, um, and ESPN has pulled the coup, and now Fox is going to, I don't know who they're going to elevate as their number one national broadcast team. Uh, coming Ooh, up, I had this. Uh, Kobe Myers and 
Olsen, Kenny Albert, and whoever is with him. I think Charles Davis is with him, but a lot of people hate Charles Davis. Yeah, I'm not really so. a real fan of Charles Davis. I don't think, yeah, I think a lot of people aren't really fans of Charles Davis. Yeah, it's going to be a tough because they're not getting Nancy Romo, so that's out. Uh, CBS has got that on lock. Um, yeah, yeah, this is that's a huge steal, and I, and I guess they gotta they worked it out because they I'm sure they're aware the buck still works for Fox during the World Series. So yeah, they they figured something out. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the the big NFL news so far. Um, but you know, free agency the day today was the first day of official free agency. This isn't we're past the you know legal tampering stage. Uh, so you know uh, there'll be a lot more guys getting signed uh, in the next few days. I'm sure. This is Know the Score. I'm your host Don Delorente. I'm joined by my co-host Dwayne. Uh, we're gonna move on to Major League Baseball. They ended the lockout, so. Uh, they've come to an agreement on the playoff expansion, the universal DH, and the minimum salary floor structure, and also the Cohen tax. So um, <laughs> it 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 looked very touch and go there, um, you know. But things prevailed, you know, and they worked it out. I think the season is supposed to start like April twelfth now, or something like 7th. that. Oh, April seventh. Okay. <laughs> And so and, uh, uh, baseball and the is back. Game, yeah, the games that the games that were postponed, they're going to be part of double headers in the last week of the season. So I think there's going to be like nine double headers, nine nine inning double headers. Uh, so the uh, seven that they've been doing, they're going to make sure all these games get in for 162. So it's going to be a lot of. A lot of wear and tear in that last week of the season going into the playoffs. Uh, we'll have to definitely see how the pennant races um, play out because that is going to probably be one of the most furious weeks in MLB history. Um, and then we'll see who are the top six in the in the uh, American League and National League. The Oakland A's fire sale has officially begun after they have traded away Matt Chapman, Chris Bassett, and Matt Olson. So the A's are doing what they usually do every four to five seasons once they kind of max out on their ceiling of where they can go as far as uh, postseasons and, and, and competitiveness. They kind of retool, get young, and, um, you know, try that long climb back up to being respectable again. So... Uh, Matt Chapman went to uh, the the Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Matt Olson went to the Braves, and I don't know where Chris Bassett is going. To the Mets. To the Mets. Okay. Okay. So you guys got to because as Degrom says, he out after this year. He says he's gonna let the contract expire, and and he may be trying to head to greener pastures. Um, relax, relax. There may be a greener pasture right where he is, so everybody <laughs> calm the hell down. Uh, with the trade for Matt Olson, it has become more apparent to everyone in baseball that Freddie Freeman will no longer be a member of the Atlanta Braves. Yes. Um, probably the most beloved player uh, in Atlanta since Chipper Jones. Um, with his tenure, um, he finally got his World Series uh, this past season. I'm pretty sure most people would rather see him just retire as an Atlanta Brave than play for possible. Well, they're not going to play for the Yankees now since they just signed Rizzo to that like $34 million contract for one year. But uh, Freddie Freeman will be seeking a new home and free agency. Uh, what do you think this does just for the locker room of the Atlanta Braves not having that? that leader, that everyday consistent rock that people knew what he was going to do every day in and out, you know, night in, night out. One, they got enough talent, they'll be fine. Two, they acquired a very great person and a great bat in Matt Olson. Obviously, they 
invested in that with that big ass contract he just signed. Um, they'll be fine. I mean, yes, it's going to be emotional. You don't have Freddie Freeman, who definitely I thought would have been a brave for the entirety of his career, and the number five would have definitely joined those other numbers at Truist Park um, at the end of his career, which it will still happen. I mean, he did get a World Series to Atlanta, unfortunately. Um, yes, I'm being shady in the process here. So, um, I, I, I think the writing was on the wall when he did it immediately resign with the Braves after the lockout. Um, I think, and then it really kind of, after the lockout was over, it really kind of just started to be apparent when the Dodgers made it involved for the Braves still didn't have any kind of word on if they were going to bring him back or not. And then the fate was sealed when they acquired Matt Olson and signed that uh, contract to basically extend his career, give him the painting that he's been seeking. Right. So, so uh, that really essentially sealed uh, Freeman's fate. I think he goes west to be a Dodger. Um. We would love to have him in New York, but we got our own first baseman uh, right now. Hey, man, <laughs> people in the National League need DHs. This is true. Um, but I think the Mets have been more focused on their bullpen and their starting rotation. Uh, Strowman was, Strowman was all right. I mean, I'm glad he's... The situation is better for him and better for the team. Um, I think when you look at the men's rotation now, you have uh, the ground, Scherzer, which is going to be a badass one, one-two punch. Um, Bassett will be the third guy. Uh, and then you got uh, Tywin Walker. And then Carlos Carrasco will probably round out the rotation. Don't know how Carrasco is going to be after uh, missing most of the season. Tywan Walker had a great start, but he flamed out towards the end. So we'll see how he recovers there. But, yeah, DHs are going to be, I think, we have Starling Marte in the the lineup now. We signed him from the Marlins. Uh, We have... Part of that fire sale was getting Mark Canna, who is a former A. Uh, he's now a Met as well. So that's another big bat there. So, you know, I'm thinking with, uh, with depth in the outfield, there's options at the designated hitter spot. Um, Michael Conforto. Uh, won't be back with the Mets, which does kind of s- suck, but um, it is what it is. Uh, Syndergaard went west to the Angels, and yeah, that's all I really got. But back to Freddie Freeman. Um, the Braves will be fine. Like I said, they got a lot of talent, and and um uh, It'll just be interesting to see how and when they retire that number at the end of his career. Final note about baseball. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to miss up to three months uh, due to a broken wrist. Uh, He apparently, like, fell off his motorcycle or something. Um, Caused an injury. Got a lot of... uh vehicle incidents involved with major league players. Pete Alonso had a horrible wreck yep. uh, the other day. And then Tatis in the motorcycle. So, yeah. This is uh, probably the worst news that could come to the Padres considering that last year they were considered, you know, a darling. A lot of people picked them Ooh. to, you know, be in the World Series. Uh, they based got off front-loaded the... with home games, and then they flamed out on the road. Right, and uh, based off of the run that they made in the, uh, 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 you know, the COVID year playoff run. Um, but last year, like you said, they uh, they totally 
you know, missed the mark and uh, we're looking to rebound and, and kind of, you know, put it all back together for this year. But without having their best player and probably the most exciting player in the major leagues right now, um, looks like it's going to be a, another tough season for the people out there in San Diego who, um, you know, really, you know, the window is starting to, you know, shrink, even though they have a bunch of young players. But, you know, the Dodgers are going to be there. The Giants are going to be there. So it's going to be difficult for them to, to, to break through without Tatis uh, for the whole season this year. Mm-hmm. And new manager, Bob Melvin, and, you know, when Bob Melvin left the A's, he went to the Padres. So these guys were cut out for him. Uh, going forward, that was the best player. Final thing we're going to talk about is uh, the NBA. Um, just absolutely crazy scoring uh, going on this week. Um, Steph and uh, and uh, Trey, they went for over 40 on the same night, but they both got overshadowed because Carl Anthony Towns put up 60 uh, for the Timberwolves, scored 32 in one quarter. And then Kyrie Irving the next day said, hold my beer. He scored 41 and a half on his way to 60 points. So 60 points is the highest uh, total for the season so far in the NBA. And that brings up a very, uh, you know, interesting debate about Kyrie and his, you know, availability going forward as we're starting to get closer to the NBA playoffs. Uh, The Brooklyn Nets uh, seem to be rounding back into form as far as health-wise. And now the concern is focusing towards the playoffs and Kyrie being able to play. He'll be able to play in the road games, but his own home games are still up in the air right now. And it would be very difficult for Brooklyn to make a whole run through the playoffs if Kyrie can only play in half of the games. So um, that's something they need to talk to Eric Adams about in New York City. I mean, the same rules apply for the uh, same rules Aaron apply Judge. for Aaron Judge. Yeah. Aaron Judge, NYCFC, and who play at Yankee Stadium and MLS. The same rules apply for the Yankees, the Mets, the Knicks. So this is, I mean, yeah, the Nets are probably because of the star power they have and the momentum that they're carrying, especially at their uh, the trade that they made for uh, Ben Simmons and Jettison James Harden to Philly. But they know they know what the mandate is in New York City. And with the um, surge across the world in China, that surge may be coming to the U.S., so that mandate may not be lifted anytime soon. Right, right. Uh, Draymond Green returned to the Warriors lineup uh, this week. He missed about two months um, trying to recover from uh, some back ailments. Um, The Warriors have been kind of scuffling uh, maybe for the last 10 days or so, but they've seen to kind of put things back together. They had won three in a row before Draymond came back. And I saw this ridiculous stat. Draymond Green played like 15 minutes in the game where Steph scored 47. And Steph scored something like 41 points in those 15 minutes that Draymond was on the court. Just ridiculous. And it just shows how much he opens up their whole offense, you know, his screen setting, his passing. Um, They do a lot of the offense really, when he's there, runs through him. And uh, a lot of people have – kind of recalibrated the Warriors as, uh, you know, the team to beat, if healthy, going into the playoffs. And then we like to give a salute to Greg Popovich as he breaks Don Nelson's record for most coaching wins in an NBA career. Um, You know, San Antonio Spurs the last couple of seasons have been, you know, not, uh, you know, perennial playoff team or not as dominant as they had been in the years prior. But Pop is still out there coaching those guys up, getting them to play the right way. And, um, yeah, you know, from a guy who 
was like a general manager who came down to become a head coach. Um, he's now got the most coaching wins in the NBA history. Pretty remarkable. Most definitely. Um, everything you said probably sums it all up. Um, no nonsense, disciplinarian, loves his players. No matter the circumstances, you can just see the relationship he has with not only his own players on the Spurs, but players around the league. He's well-respected. USA Basketball, uh, you saw the bonds that he had with those players as well. So, well-respected in basketball circles. Uh, definitely glad to see him break that record. Uh, the, only, the only person probably sour about that is Bob Heal. Because Bob Heal was a very good coach for the San Antonio Spurs. And he had to suffer through that season where Dave Robinson got hurt and missed like 60 games. And of course, the San Antonio Spurs were awful. And uh, they got the number one pick, and they was like, okay, Bob Hill, sorry, you got to go. And Greg Popovich was like, yep, I'm going to slide right into the seat, and we're going to pick Tim Duncan, and the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tim Duncan, and he picked up Ginobili and Parker and created a whole new dynasty in the 2000s. Yeah. And the late 90s with the. With the Spurs, the Spurs were definitely they they were viewed as boring, but they were fundamentally sound, and that's the way you play the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, Dwayne, I'm gonna turn it over to you, sir, for your final thoughts and your shout outs and thank yous. All right, uh, thank you to all the listeners. Thank you, Don, for having me here for another week. And shout out to all my CSPN colleagues and all podcasters who are doing their thing. Whether you're starting one or continuing one, I've had a popular one. Continue to do what you do. And there's always a podcast for everybody. Um, let's talk NHL. Um, Really, it's Stanley Cup time is coming up. Uh, I think we are, what, a few weeks away from the uh, postseason for the for the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs. Um, a lot of, um, when I look at the playoff races in the East, it's really just down to division and positioning and and who will get home ice if they meet in the Eastern Conference Finals or the Conference Finals, I say, will start in the East. Um, Florida Panthers, they lead the Carolina Hurricanes by a single point, one overtime loss um, and one game in hand. The Hurricanes have a game in hand um, with uh, 23 games left. The Panthers are 22. Florida 88, Carolina 87. Um, And then Tampa Bay is second in the Atlantic with 82 points, followed by the Maple Leafs, who have 81. Um, The Rangers and the Penguins, they have 81 points in the Metropolitan Division. And then the Wild Cards, Boston and Washington, essentially have those on lock. and Washington leads Columbus by 13 points in the wild card race. I mean, a lot can happen in the next 25 to 20, 22, 25 games, but I don't see anything happening. Just changes in those eight teams. Um, out West, the Avalanche are running away with the President's Trophy. Um, they would win the President's Trophy if the season ended today again. Uh, let me uh, kind of interject here. Uh, last Thursday night, I witnessed a very high-level hockey game between the Colorado Avalanche and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Hurricanes ended up winning 2-0. Uh, that second goal was an empty net goal, so basically it was a one nothing game. Um, 
that game was very well played. A lot of skill on both sides. A lot of great goaltending on both sides. Um, and it was a type of game where we were shaping up where like somebody that you're not expecting is gonna have is gonna be the one to score a goal or some type of fluky bounce or something. And that's exactly what happened. Defenseman Ethan Bear took a long, you know, shot uh, from out of the slot and just went underneath the goaltender's arm right into the net. I mean, it was just one of those kind of like I said fluky type of things that normally doesn't really happen but in the game that was that competitive and that close and and that well played that was kind of going to be the difference and um just kind of showed everybody that you know carolina does have the talent to compete and seriously win the stanley cup this year that was definitely i mean that'd be It'd be crazy to say that they don't have that because a lot of these, a lot of these players I saw years ago in Charlotte when they were checkers, when they were developing. So I knew if most of those guys stayed together, they would be, and for the most part, and they've added pieces here and there from other teams, but and then they got a great head coach in Ron Ron Brindamore. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of a lot of um, high hopes in Carolina, and they definitely have the tools to win it. Uh, the thing, the one thing I will say about the team that is probably ahead of them in the East, the Florida Panthers, uh, they have they have a lot. They can score it any which way uh, just like the Hurricanes can. I think they have a, a couple more weapons than Carolina does. Um, and can we give a shout out to Joe Thornton? I mean, Mayo's drafted in 97. He's on year 20. He's on his 25th year at this point. Um, Jumbo's still doing his thing. He returned to San Jose where he spent most of his career with the Sharks. Um, but we, you know, we know at this at this point in his career, he's trying to get that elusive Stanley Cup. One of the all around great talents, great people, and I definitely think, you know, I would definitely love to see Joe win one as well. But of course, there's so many there's so many variables in hockey, and everything just has to align correctly for a for a Stanley Cup to be won. Right. Um, the other, yeah, um, continuing Colorado well ahead of the Central Division. They got the number one seed in the West, I think, pretty much in tow. St. Louis, the St. Louis and Nashville round out the top three in the Central. Uh, Calgary leads the Pacific Division. Beware of the Flames. They are definitely a team to watch the LA Kings and the Edmonton Oilers round out the round out the um, top three in the Pacific wild cards are held by Minnesota and Vegas. Vegas leads Dallas and Vancouver by one point, Winnipeg by two points, Anaheim by three in the uh, wild card, that last wild card spot. Um, Hey, anybody can take those, positions as long as Vegas ain't in the playoffs, I'm all for it. <laughs> um do I really have a final thought on anything today? Um not really. Not huh? No, not even NASCAR. NASCAR was okay. I mean we had a first time winner Chase Briscoe uh this past weekend in Phoenix, so it's always cool to see a first time winner. Um you know get a chance to, you know, uh celebrate in victory lane and and you know um just live out their dream when it comes to NASCAR. Um, so no, I'm just going to go ahead and just give a shout out. to thank yous today as give a shout out to Dwayne, my co-host here for another score. Thank you for joining me, sir. We're getting this thing kind of back on track, a little bit more consistency. So I definitely appreciate that, um, from you. Um, shout out to everybody here on the CSPN, everybody who helps with the WrestleCast, everybody who's involved with the comic book chronicles, 
greatly appreciate all the time and efforts that you put in to make the network what it is. Uh, for the support of our patrons, we uh, thank you guys. Uh, you can join and become a patron over on patreon.com forward slash CSPN Media. Uh, we have lots of wrestling content there, some notes of score, extra content shows up over there from time to time as well. So please uh, support the podcast by becoming a patron. Um, you can find the show through iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio. All you have to do is search and note the score dash the CSPN. Subscribe, uh, rate and review the show. Five stars, uh, comment on the show. Uh, give us some feedback. Let you know, uh, you know, let us know that you're out there listening and you're supporting. So, like I said, for my co-host Dwayne, I'm your host Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.